I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. My name is Rich, and if you don't know, uh, I am your pastor. <laughs> uh, it is uh, uh, really a joy to, uh, to be here, and uh, I've got my wife with me this week. Shelly, can you go ahead and stand up real quick and just wave to everybody? There she is. The far better half, that is, uh, that is for sure. But uh, it, is, uh, it is a joy to be here this morning and uh, to be able to celebrate with you. Now, it'll be a couple more weeks before we're here full-time, or I'll be here full-time in October. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but uh, social media has created this kind of weird uh, circumstance in our world today where uh, there, there are two worlds that collide uh, at times, and especially now. So currently, what we've been experiencing is on... on so- How many of you have a social media something? Facebook, and like, yeah, many of you. So on social media, you'll, you'll have... Or, will have for us uh, people that are saying goodbye, and they'll have like sad faces, you know, on, on the little emojis and things like that. And then at the same time, we'll be having all these happy face emojis, and people cannot wait for Shelly and I to get here, and we so appreciate all of the, the love that you have extended through social media. But we're caught in this weird world where both of those things collide in our inbox on a regular basis. It's kind of a strange moment. And uh, we had this, um, this opportunity to do kind of a, a goodbye dinner um, this last Monday. And honestly, Shelly, we had done a number of those over the past month or so. And so we're kind of getting a little bit tired of, you know, I'm sorry, just being real and a little bit just like, oh my goodness, one more. But we walk in and it was just a beautiful reunion of, of a bunch of couples, several of them that I had married and now they've got kids of their own and that we had been there over the last 12 years and gotten to know very well. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time for us to kind of put a kind of... Ch- uh, close the chapter on that relationship there. Uh, but they, they had a cake for us that they made, and uh, this gives a good picture of kind, of kind of how it's been for us. So we had a sad face on a wedding cake. I mean, what, what, better, what better way can you celebrate that? So there we are, the sad face. But if you notice in the, the back left-hand corner, this is the world that collides. Go ahead and go to the next picture. There she is, smiling, all happy, and that's kind of where our world has been uh, for these past couple of weeks. Go ahead and go back to that first photo again. So there, you know, just kind of there. Sorry for the sad faces there, but that was kind of this world that we are on social media that has created an, a new reality for, uh, for us. And as we're on this journey, journey, uh, we truly do covet your prayers. Uh, not only I see I'll be traveling this next week and spending some time with my mom up in Montana and my mom and stepdad, and then I'm making my way down. So October 14th will be my first official Sunday uh, here as, uh, as pastor of Life Church, And then following at some point... Uh, when our home finally sells, so you can please pray for us that our home out in Illinois sells. Uh, but whenever that happens, and we're figuring out all the details, whenever that happens, then uh, Shelly and then our two kids that are still at home uh, will be with us. And I got to tell you that uh, we are just very, very pumped uh, to begin our life here in the Salt Lake Valley uh, with Life uh, Church. And on October 14th, we'll be kicking off the, uh, the fall campaign. It's uh, more than words this time. We're going to talk a lot about prayer and how prayer is going to uh, truly impact us. No better way to start off our time uh, together. And I almost feel like, this is going to be weird, uh, my brain thinks in weird analogies, it's almost like we're married 
And now we're going to start dating. That's kind of what's going to happen here in the next little while uh, as we get to know one another and get to uh, figure out how each other operates. And it's going to be a a wonderful, wonderful time as we work all of that out. And uh, so as we begin this new series on October 14th, I really, I'm going to reiterate what you've heard now twice. A third time now is the whole idea of life groups. I got to tell you, my wife and I have been involved in life groups a long time ago. I was a small groups pastor at another church up in Minneapolis. Uh, Life groups are absolutely vital to our Christian faith. Uh, Life was not meant to to do it alone. We need one another. And one of the great things that happen in life groups is the fact that you begin to realize that the stuff you are going through is normal. Everybody walks through a lot of the similar same circumstances that we walk through, and we found that in our own, in our own life, and, and we're able to help people that are currently going through something that maybe we went through a number of years ago or a number of months ago, other people walking through something that we're just now going through, and they've made it through successfully. That's what life groups are for, and so I want to encourage you, make sure you sign up. I think the sign-up starts next week for the, for the general groups, but if you want to be a leader or a host, make sure you sign up today out there in our living room in the middle of the foyer. So make sure you do that. Uh, You will not be disappointed. And um, also in in this last um, last little bit of time, uh, Shelly and I had the joy of being with the staff uh, at a uh, at a staff retreat, just kind of getting our wrapping our heads around. And I know you already know this, but I have got to tell you that this is an incredible staff at Life Church. You have incredible pastors. Amen. Amen. They deserve they deserve that. And uh, having some time to spend with, uh, with each one of them, with uh, John and Marco and Eric and Dustin and get all the names, uh, Karen and Heather and Melissa and Rebecca. There we go. Got all, got all of them there. And uh, now I know all of your names as well. I must repeat them all out to you. Um, but it's, uh, it's been wonderful to, to see them and, and vision that is just there. And uh, really uh, a word that, that is just kind of rolling around in my heart is just the word Possibility what God can do with this, with this incredible church, the foundation that's been laid. I'm just very excited to do that. And so as we, um, today I want to take a little bit of a dive into what the church is, and uh, we're not going to cover all of, the, all of the ins and outs of what church is, but um, as we get to know one another, as I already said, you know, it's kind of like we're married and now we're just starting to date. It's kind of like we're taking those first baby steps together as we learn what it means uh, for this new, new season for Life Church. And it reminded me of a time uh, many years ago when I was teaching uh, my son, or all my kids, but my son in particular, how to ride a bike. Any parents ever have to teach your child how to ride a bike? a bike. That's a joy-filled moment. So here we go. This is my son. That's Jace. He's a little bit bigger now, like 6'3", 230. So, um, <laughs> but I remember as, you know, as a dad and, and you're there and even he's got training wheels on there, but what do you do as, as a parent? You kind of walk alongside, even though they have tra- they're not going to fall, but you kind of walk alongside of them and then you, you know, they're excited and they, they go off on their own on the training wheels. Best part, the wheels come off right? And then, I mean, that's a good, wheels come off is sometimes a bad description. This is a good description of what needs to happen. And so then the wheels come off and you're holding them a little bit more. Now you're running a little bit faster behind them and beside them and trying to get them to go. And eventually it's one foot. And then the second the pedal goes and then they are out there and they are gone because you forgot to tell them how to use the brake and, you know, and then they just keep going. Um, But you've got that moment and we're kind of in this time together 
where the Lord's kind of helping us along. We got training wheels on relationally as we're working, working this out and figuring out one another, but pretty soon those training wheels will be off, and then pretty soon God's like, I'm releasing you to do incredible things here in the Salt Lake Valley. So uh, for, for Life Church, uh, for Iglesia Vida and Life Church Tooele, um, I always say Iglesia I want to say Vidia. <laughs> it's not a Iglesia Vida. Um, we are just super excited and praying together uh, with you over the things that God wants to do here in the near future. So if you turn your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to jump into a little bit about the church, a little bit about some of the history that's, that's led us to this point, um, and what the church should be, and maybe even how we can participate and make the church, uh, make the church a better place. So in the Old Testament... There's a guy by the name of Moses, and Moses was uh, kind of the, uh, one of the key leaders uh, within, um, within Judaism, right? If, if, you, uh, if you study anything like that, you know that Moses is the one you look to to study Judaism. You got Moses, who's the kind of the giver of the laws and the one who was there, and so uh, the early church came out of Judaism, and the early church still had within it that, that um, honoring of Moses kind of as the supreme leader, Kind of like Snoke in Star Wars, if you know, if you know that. Um, and so here is, uh, here's the supreme leader, Moses. And the author of the book of Hebrews, he starts talking about what the church is. He starts talking about how then Jesus fits in uh, to this big picture and, and this change maybe of loyalty that the early church was having. And so Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling... Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. So uh, the author's appealing to the, to the Jewish sensibility of who Moses was. And then he says, for Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses. That's, a, that's an earth-shattering understanding for those who put Moses on the high pedestal. Just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. That's a good, good thing there. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. The big difference there being a, between a servant and then between being the son. And so the author is drawing a, a real keen distinction between Moses and Jesus. And then he says this, and I, I love this. He says, and we are that household. We, Life Church, we are that household under the son, Jesus Christ. We're in that household. Then he gives a conditional statement. He says, if, then he gives a couple of points here. If we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Now jump down to verse 13. Hebrew, or, yeah, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. I'm going to say it again. Life groups is an incredible place for you to get where there's accountability in the way that you live your life with Christ, with one another, in the world around us. And there are times that a life group comes in alongside of you when you have had an incredibly difficult, bad day. Is that like redundant, incredibly difficult, bad day uh, in your life in that moment? And you've got a life group that surrounds you and lifts you up and prays for you and brings life to you. So life groups, sign up for them. You need to make sure you do that. Um, for we have become participants in Christ... If we hold firmly until the end, the reality that we had at the start. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for the word that uh, you are giving us. And I ask, Lord, that you would uh, show yourself to be incredibly faithful to us. Lord, I pray also, God, that, um, that Lord, as you guide us, that, uh, that, Lord, you would help us to be able to apply your word to our lives. Lord, that this would come alive to us and, and we would take the things that you are speaking, apply them to our lives, and be able to live them outside of this, Lord. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a beautiful reality expressed in these uh, two passages. And I want to focus on one aspect of this, and this is the idea of holding on. Holding on. Anybody ever been involved in a tug of war? Tug of war. Raise your hand real quick. Were any of you the anchor? <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. You're that anchor out there. And if you've got a coach or you've got a, a camp counselor, I remember doing tug of wars up at Camp Cedar Edge back many, many years ago. And they'd always make a big mud pit in the middle. And then your counselor would tell you, hold on for dear life if you love Jesus. I mean, you know, all those things like that. So you're holding on, hanging on for dear life. Don't let go of this rope. And inevitably, it feels like our team would always lose, get dragged through the mud, right? But we would not let go. We'd be dragged through it, not letting go of that thing because our counselor said, don't let go of the rope. Hold on. And so the author is telling us that we need to be a people who hold on, no matter the ride that's coming in into our lives. And he tells us really to hold on to three different things. And I want to go through these quickly. Uh, this morning. Uh, the very first one uh, that he asks us to hold on to is confidence. Everybody say the word confidence. Now say it confidently. Everybody say it again. Confidence. All right. So confidence here uh, that the author is bringing out is actually a pretty, pretty interesting word uh, in this context. And why it's so interesting is that it's not just the confidence to do something like I've got an ability and I've done it over and over and over again. So now I've got confidence in that. But what this is actually talking about is a, uh, is a confidence in the message that is given. And this word is actually used of the Athenians uh, when they began to speak of the idea of their freedom of speech. That's a, that's a term that we should be very familiar with here in America. The freedom of speech or a right to free speech. And this is the word that they would use. So it's deeply uh, and intimately connected to the idea of the message that is spoken that we're confident in this, what we are proclaiming to the world around us. And so the author of, of the book of Hebrews, as he's going through this, he goes, boy, you're a, you're a member of the household of Jesus if you hold tightly to this confident message that we have. So what is that message that we have? That message is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's our message. Our message is that Jesus is the one who heals. Our message is that the Holy Spirit is active within us as the people of God. That is the message that we are confident in, not in our own abilities, not in our own craftiness, not in our own skills, but we're confident only in the message of Christ. And this shows that we have an un unshakable foundation, and that's exactly what, uh, what the Lord wants us to have. Now, closely on the heels of this, he says that we should have confidence and hope. Everybody say hope hope. Now, this is also kind of a twofold idea uh, here for, um, for hope as it's, doing, um, as it's shown here. Not only do we have hope as the children of God in the future, because that future is guaranteed because of the work that was done on the cross. This is a finished and a completed work that Jesus did. So we don't have to worry about the future. We don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. What we have is a, is a hope in the work that Jesus has already done. 
But also in the context of this is the fact that this also deals with the message that is given. Not only do we have confidence in that message, but we have hope. And I think that speaks to one of the greatest parts of what the church is supposed to be, is we are to be a place that is filled with hope. When somebody walks onto this campus, when somebody comes in through these doors, what do they sense within them? I hope that what they sense within them is hope. But not a hope just in wonderful music and great relationships and all of that and being part of a life group. Okay, Not just a hope there, but a hope that is founded in the work that God has already done through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. We have to go back to that. We have no confidence of our own. We have no hope in anything that we can drum up except only found in what Jesus has done. And so then this leads us to our next holding on mode. Folks, you're holding on, right? Holding on to hope and confidence. The last one here that we are to hold on to is the reality of what was at the first. So the reality, I think, what he's talking about, the reality of that salvation moment for us when we turned ourselves over and said, Christ, we, we declare allegiance to you. Jesus, we, we declare that we are going to follow after you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. God, we are going to put ourselves in a position to be in relationship with you. God has changed our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross. You find I keep going back to that, right? <laughs> because the cross is absolutely vital for us as a church to keep at the center of what we do and what we say and how we respond to the world around us. How many of you know that the world is a, a crazy place out there? Our culture, we feel it, we sense it, we know that within society there's stuff going on. Where do we have, where should we return? Return to the confidence and the message that we speak, the hope that we have found in Christ, and the reality of what he has done within us as individuals, but not only as individuals, what he's done through us as the people of God. So kind of in a nutshell, we're to hold on tight to our confidence and hope. This is not something that we're the focus of. It's not something that we find internally. Our confidence and hope is only found in the author of our faith, Jesus Christ. He's the builder, the architect of our household, and we need to hold on tightly to the reality of our salvation. So that brings us to this idea of the household, and, and I want to insert a word into there instead of household. Let's insert the word church. All right? So we are that church that God has called specifically for right now in the Salt Lake Valley. That's where this church, that's where Life Church is in the Salt Lake Valley. So God has called us to hold on to confidence in the message that's being spoken, to being able to give hope to a world that is broken, and that we um, can remember and have that reality of our salvation experience with Christ. And so this idea of what the church is is much larger than that, though. And so what I want to do, turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 16. And this is uh, where, where the really kind of the first idea of the church in seed form begins to happen in the Gospels. And the story unfolds as Jesus having one of those conversations with his disciples, um, sitting around in a group facing one another uh, shall we say in a life group? <laughs> Not really, okay. Um, so there they are in a group facing one another and talking and finding out. And Jesus begins asking them all the wonderful questions. Jesus was a great question asker. He would be talking to people and then ask them questions. And this is one of those points where he says this. So Matthew chapter 16, 
beginning at verse 13, says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So this list there, what is it, uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah, these are all like the, the, the kings of faith, uh, so to speak, for the, for the people. And they're saying, you know, well, this Jesus, this is who he is, and they're comparing him to somebody great or somebody that they think is great. Have you ever been mistaken for a famous person, on, you know, like walking down the road? Ever been, anybody ever been mistaken for somebody famous? Some people say I look like, like Papa John's, like the guy that was on the cover of the pizza. That was what somebody said once. You're famous, Papa John's. Yeah, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> but then he asks the question, though, and he begins to personalize it. He says, that's fine. That's what all the other people are saying. But then he asks this question of the disciples. He says, but you, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Folks, this question is a very divisive question. I don't know if you know that. And it becomes absolutely vital to the church. Who do we say Jesus is? Now, Peter has this incredible moment. Now, Peter, uh, in in the New Testament, as he is uh, one of those true-to-life, real kind of people. And that's what I love about the Gospels. It's filled with real people. It's not all these uh, holier-than-thou individuals who always make the right decisions. But this is Peter, salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, a fisherman. And uh, Peter was kind of known for sticking his foot in his mouth, just kind of saying what came to his mind. Do you know anybody like that that just says what comes to their mind? Point to them right now if you know. Okay. Um, so somebody point to yourself. Okay. So, so we have those moments, and Peter is that kind of guy. And there are a couple of places before this and several places after this where Peter just kind of puts his foot in his mouth. But in this moment, Peter says this. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I think in that moment, Jesus was blown away. I mean, absolutely blown away. And I think God does this to us at this point. Have you ever just gotten something in your spiritual life that had been elusive to you uh, many, many, many other times? Like all of a sudden, one day you wake up and go, oh, I get it. I know what God's trying to speak to me. I know, I know how I should respond in this situation. Ever had that happen before? Right? And I think in that moment, what's happening in heaven is God is going, yes, this is incredible. Gabriel, take a look. You know, this is an unbelievable. And that's how I think this moment was going on. God was so proud of Peter, just like he's proud of us when we, when we get it, when we grasp a little bit more of his presence in our lives. So you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now that statement alone is, is worth weeks of study for us on, a, on Sundays to go through all that that entails. We're not going to do that this morning, although we will get out at about 3 p.m. It's going to be awesome. Not really, not really. So Jesus' response to Peter is immediate. It's filled with compassion. It's filled with support. All the things that we would want, uh, like a leader to speak over us into our lives, a mentor to speak into us. So Jesus responded in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. I think that's what Jesus was celebrating, was was Peter was listening, maybe for the very first time, to, to the voice of the Father in his life. And I also say to you that you are Peter... Now, the the word Peter in Greek is Petros, which means rock. That's where we get our idea of of rock. And so Jesus is making a play on words here. Uh, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It says, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, where they were, where all of this was taking place in Caesarea Philippi, was a very unique place in, uh, in time and place. And as they, were, as they were there, what was going on somewhere near where Jesus and the disciples were, um, that this was a cult center for worship of idols, is what was happening at Caesarea Philippi. And in fact, they would worship Pan, the god Pan. You might remember this from some of your uh, classes in high school. Pan and Nympha and some of the other gods, they would worship there. And there was a big waterfall and there was a cave behind the waterfall. And that acted as the gates of hell or the gates of Hades. Because it was there that people would go meet with the gods. And it was there that the gods would come out and meet. And so they were, it was powerful. There was a lot of cultic worship going on there. And they felt they were the ones that had all the power. And what does Jesus say? He says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail. Maybe he did a grandiose sweep, you know, kind of pointing back to Caesarea Philippi saying, all of this... All of this cult worship is nothing because I have have said that the gates of hell will not overpower it. He says, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. So upon this rock, I will build my church. So three very quick things about what the church is, and, and hopefully this will help us as Life Church if we take these very first steps uh, into what it means to be a church. Number one, the church is not ours. It's Jesus' church. <laughs> what does he say? He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. This Life Church is Jesus' church. And so we will do what we can. We'll do all, within all of our power and strength. We'll endeavor to do the things that God has called us to do. We'll endeavor to be filled by the Spirit to do the things that the Spirit is asking us to do. We will follow in the footsteps of Christ as best we can because this is Jesus' church. It's not ours. Number two, the church is powerful against the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail. So church, we are a victorious church, not by anything that we have done or anything we will do, but by nature of what Jesus proclaimed. This is a victorious church. Amen. So we have to live that way, don't we? We have to live victoriously. We'll find out what that means in the future here. And number three, the church is engaged with real humanity. And this idea here is that, that, that idea of binding and loosing. We're confronted every single day with folks that are far from God. <laughs> We're confronted uh, every single day and, uh, with a society, as I've already shared, that is uh, at times very, very far from God and hostile to the gospel. And we often think of binding and loosing as, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, gates of hell not prevailing against the church. And so binding and loosing in the spiritual world. I think that's part of this. But I also think there's another nuance to this that uh, we need to take into mind, take into account. That this idea of binding is, is this idea of drawing together. And loosing is this idea of, of um, freeing up. 
And I think that the church, and the, uh, I love science. Any other, any other people love science out there? I'm a big science buff. I really enjoy it. And uh, so two terms really quickly, uh, centripetal and centrifugal. All right, anybody know what those mean? <laughs> All right, so centripetal, this idea of the centripetal force is the tendency of things to try to, try to clump together, kind of come together. It's a force that kind of is drawing towards the center of something. And centrifugal force is that force that wants to push things out to the outside. And I think the church is a beautiful picture of the church. Folks, we need to be a gathering place where we come together, whether it's here on a Sunday morning or in somebody's home or back in the back at the uh, Real Life Center, wherever that is, we gather together as the people of God. And then God does something amazing to us. He empowers us. He fills us. And all of a sudden, we have a desire and a drive to go to the highways and the byways to reach those who are broken, those who are marginalized in our society, to be able to reach out to them so that then what happens? We come through the power of the Holy Spirit. We gather back together again, this beautiful rhythm of being together and then being sent out to come together, to be sent out. This wonderful rhythm that God has created in the church, that is what we are supposed to be and that is what Life Church will be, a gathering place and a sending place. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up here as we close out. And this is normal. This is right. This is what the church should be, gathering and sending. It's part of our DNA. John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22, there was a a time right after Jesus had risen from the dead and there was still fear on the part of the disciples and they're trying to figure out what does this all mean and how are we going to explain this and we don't fully grasp all of it. And Jesus shows up in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. How many of you need a little peace in your lives, right? (laughs) Jesus speaks to you, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It is the heart of Jesus to send us. Not just for us to gather, that's a wonderful thing to do and we need this, but God has called us to be sent. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Folks, we do not go out on our own power. We don't go out on our own strength. We don't go out in order to accomplish what we want to do. What we do is we go out from here after gathering together, being empowered, being uh, encouraged and get some new tools and how to live our faith out. And then we go out to our neighborhoods. We go to our places of work. We go grocery shopping. We go running. (laughs) I mean, Shelly was out running on Saturday morning, invited somebody to church, and they were here this morning. So, I mean, it's beautiful. And that is what we are supposed to do, aren't we? Supposed to be a people that have that message that we are confident in, that message of hope that our desperate world needs to bring salvation into their lives. We gather together, we're sent out so that we can share the message of hope to a broken world, confident in the fact that salvation is ours because of the finished work of Christ. And we share that message and we come back together again. We're empowered, we're blessed, and we're sent out. And that cycle happens over and over and over again. This is the church. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at LifeChurchUtah.com dot com.